0: Hey, thanks for joining us for another message from the City Church. We're a local church in Mississauga, Ontario, gathering in community as we move closer to Jesus. We hope this message from our lead pastor, Brent Coulter, encourages you wherever you're joining us from today. Good morning, City Church. Thank you for joining us this morning so excited to see you this Wednesday for our drive through food drive that you just heard about. It's going to be a great time from 7 to 9 this week, so make sure you get some extra groceries and drop them by so that we can be impacting our city this week and for weeks to come. Let's just pray this morning before we jump into the message. Father God, we just thank you for your goodness today. We thank you for your love. We thank you as we lean into your word this morning that your spirit is helping us, that your spirit is helping us to understand and to speak We thank you, Lord, for grace for the listening and grace for the speaking. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So go ahead and get your Bibles out this morning or a secondary device that you can follow along with the scriptures that we will be talking about today. All right, we are in part four of a series that we have called Battle Ready. So is everybody ready again at home for your battle positions? Now I have a new battle position for you this morning that I've been working on. Uh, It's from one of my favorite movies growing up. So is everybody ready for your new battle position? All right, here we go. Karate Kid back in the day, Mr. Miyagi, one of the best movie mentors ever. But no, let's take it, let's take a good battle-ready position. So we got to get ready to fight, that we are in a fight for our lives. Now, in this series, we have talked about the idea of resisting that we need to resist the enemy, but we need to be tactical. The enemy is subtle and doing subtle things, so we need to be wise how we are fighting this battle. And then we talked about there is a battle for your thoughts, what we're thinking about, how we're thinking, but not only that, there is a very important way for us to understand how to value our thoughts and to run them through that the scripture in Philippians chapter 4. Last week we talked about unity, how the enemy is all about division, that God is all about unity. And so all of these things that we would see functioning in our culture, in our world today, that we don't want to dive into those things, that we actually want to stay with the word of God, with the kingdom of God. And then each week we talked about prayer is a healthy place for us, from which to fight the battle. The scripture tells us that there is an enemy of our soul. He is subtle. He's not walking around with the red suit on and horns and a, a pitchfork and a big tail. That he is subtle. He is a deceiver. The scripture says that he is the accuser. So any of those things that we can see that these are the tactics of the enemy. Scripture also told us that we are not fighting against flesh and blood, blood, principalities and powers, that there's thoughts that are are the enemies of God. So we need to be aware of these strategies, aware of these things, so we don't fall prey to all of these things. And as I've said each week, you know, we have missed out on the enemy's perfect will for our lives by saying yes to Jesus, going to be with him for eternity. But the second best thing is for our lives to be useless. And what the enemy wants us to do is to be distracted, to live meaningless lives, to live lives that have no purpose, to be distracted by all of these other things, even though we are functioning in the will of God for eternity, that we can miss out because we can be distracted with the subtle ways of the enemy. And what the enemy wants to do, and we can see this in so many ways happening in our culture, that the enemy is fighting against our identity, our identity as sons and daughters of God. The scripture tells us so many times in the New Testament that we are found in Christ, that we are found in him. So that needs to be the primary uh, identity that we choose for ourselves. Second thing is focus the enemy is trying to take our focus all of the time away from God away from the praise of God away from the primacy of God in our lives to have us do anything except worshiping him. Family. Family is on the enemy's hit list. And the family is so very important for children to grow up and the nurture and admonition of the Lord to grow up in a godly context to hear about God and the ways of God and how Jesus wants us to be discipled. so the enemy is coming against those things. And then finally, we've said every week that the enemy wants us to misdirect our passions. Uh, The enemy wants us to be selfish and to look at the world through a very selfish lens. But Jesus came. He said it didn't come to be served, but it came to serve. And so we can get our lives going in a backwards direction if we are just selfish all the time and thinking through these ways that we need to be serving. And so we're all in a battle. And if we feel like we're not in a battle, we need to get ready for a battle because there is always a battle coming in our lives. But the great thing about the battle that we are fighting, that we're not fighting in the flesh, we're not fighting in our own strength. We're not fighting just with you know, muscles that we would have in our body or a lack of muscles that we would have in our body. That we are fighting from this place of victory. That Jesus has already won the eternal battle for us. That we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. That we are a persevering because God's spirit is on the inside of us. So it's a fight that we've already won so this is the place that we are fighting from, and this is the battle that we are engaged in. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 12 says this. Fight the good fight of faith, take hold on the take hold of the eternal life to which you were called, and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So fight the good fight of faith. Now the fight of faith is not against God. Once again, it's a faith, it's a fight to stay. In the place of faith, to stay in a relationship with God. And this is what the enemy wants to get us off of. Moving away from faith in God to anything else but that. And then the second part of the verse talks about uh, confessing a good confession or words that we would say related to our faith in the presence of many witnesses. That's why it's so important for us to know the people that we are journeying forward in faith. This is why groups are so important, because we can help and support and bless one another with the context of our faith. Man, we should not be doing this life alone. First Peter chapter 5, verse 6 says this, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Verse 9, resist him firm in your faith. There are things in life that we need to resist. Why? Because the enemy is coming. We need to be aware, be sober-minded, be clear-headed, be watchful. The scripture says to watch and pray. So we need to know what's going on, and we need to be living a life of prayer, being aware of what's going on so that we can resist the enemy firm in our faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world you know, that, that verse, even though it sounds like a difficult thing about suffering, and it should be an encouragement because sometimes we think, I'm the only one going through this. I'm the only one struggling right now. I'm the only one suffering through things. But, hey, and all of us are going through things in life. My thing is no harder than someone else's thing. Suffering is suffering. But we can resist these things firm in our faith. Verse 10, after you have suffered a little while, the God of grace who has called you to his eternal Glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. A couple more verses along these lines. Luke chapter 22, verse 31 says this. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. Jesus said, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Man, thank God that Jesus is the ultimate intercessor, that he is praying for us. But what did he say here to Peter? This is who Simon is. He said, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat to shake you. That's what that means. And then what did he say? But Jesus said, I have prayed for you. Now, you know, my prayers are not exactly like Jesus, but this is what I have been praying for you, church family. Because, man, in a time like this, in the world that we are living in right now, the times that we are in is very easy for us to be shaken. And this is what the enemy wants to do. This is one of his tactics. He wants to shake us. But what did Jesus say? I prayed for you that your faith would not fail. Faith in God. This is the thing that's going to carry us through. This is the thing that's not going to shake us so that we quit and we won't persevere and we won't make it to the end. Jesus is praying for you. Pastors are praying for you. The church family is praying for you. That we would not fail, man. We need to be aware of the tactics of the enemy. One of my Bible school instructors would say it like this. You know, uh, we hear about the Apostle Paul, the thorn in the flesh that he had, and there's one description of the thorn in the flesh. It's just blow after blow, blow after blow. And this is what the enemy does. He comes with this, and he comes with something else, and he comes with something else. But Jesus is telling us, hey, the enemy wants to sift us like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith would not fail. We are going to make it through. Whatever we are going through right now, Jesus is helping us. He has empowered us. He has won the victory already. This is the fight we're fighting. It's this fight in the mental realm. What am I thinking about? How am I going to make it through? The enemy is coming against us with all these things, but Jesus has won the victory. We resist. The battle is the Lord's, but we are soldiers in the fight we are going to enforce the victory that god has already won for us. second corinthians chapter 2 verse 11 says this, so that we would not be outwitted by satan, for we are not ignorant of his designs. We need to know the tactics of the enemy. We don't want to be outwitted. We want to be aware, we want to be wise. And what are the tactics of the enemy? Jesus told us in John 10:10. 10, 10, anything that steals from us, anything that kills us, anything that destroys us. God is good, the enemy is bad. We never want to get these things mixed up. So important, such a simple doctrine. But so many people haven't messed up. See, God and the devil haven't switched places. God is holy only good. The enemy is wanting you to quit, to have you not to persevere, to give up, to sift you like wheat. But what did Jesus say? He came that we would have life. He has won the victory for us. We're not ignorant that he's trying to steal and kill us and destroy us. Any of those things that come against our lives, what are we doing? We are resisting. How are we resisting? Not in the power of Brent, not in the power of me. But in the power of God, I push back. That's what it means to resist. I'm pushing back. Resist the enemy, the scripture says, and he will flee from you. Not because of you, but because of what Jesus has done, that the Holy Spirit is on the inside of you. Are you ready for the battle? Are you ready to win the fight? This is what God wants us to be aware of. I'm not gonna be outwitted by the enemy. I'm not gonna be ignorant of his designs. Man, God has empowered me so that I can resist. All right, we're going to talk about one story today as we as we finish up this series. And I think it's such an important story, and it's such a—the um, story is told in the book of Nehemiah. Now, if you are an organizer or a detailer, you will love— the book of Nehemiah, because it just goes through there and it gives details of people and their names and how many people worked on different things and what the story of Nehemiah is about rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. Now, Nehemiah was uh, the cupbearer for the Persian king Artaxerxes, and he, w- he was there serving Artaxerxes as, um, you know, he was in exile. And what the cupbearer of the king did is that he would test the food before the king ate it to see, if he would have, if, to, to see if he would die to know that the food or the drink was poison, so this was not a really good job. But this was the job Nehemiah had, um, because there was always somebody trying to replace the king. And so, Nehemiah had this discussion with Artaxerxes, and he he found out what Nehemiah was thinking about. And so, he actually said, hey, you know, Nehemiah, you can go back and you can build the walls of Jerusalem. And he gave them some materials, and he sent them back there. But just like any good endeavor that you would partake in in your life, there is going to be enemies of the good things that you do. And one of the enemies in this story, his name was Sanballat. Now, Sanballat in this story was a really bad guy, always coming against the workers who were rebuilding the walls. But let's just read here the story as they were rebuilding the walls, doing a good and godly thing, sort of a God dream for their lives. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 14 says this, And I looked and arose, And I said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Of them who? The the people that were resisting them. The people who were coming against them, the enemies. Do not be afraid. See, we don't want to be afraid of the enemy. There's no place for fear in our lives. Why? Because Jesus has won the fight. We should not be afraid. Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord. And fight for your brothers, your sons, and your daughters, and your wives, and your homes. This is the noble fight that we are fighting. Verse 15, when your enemies heard that it was known to us, and that God had frustrated their plan, we all returned to the wall, each to his work. From that day on, half the servants worked on construction. And half held spears, shields and bows, and coats of mail, and so once again all of the elements of war. And the leaders stood behind the whole house of Judah, who were building on the wall. Those who carried the burdens were loaded in such a way that each labored on the wall. Listen, one hand held a weapon and with the so on work with one hand and held his weapon with the other. And each of the builders had his sword strapped to his side while he built. So they were building and resisting. Simultaneously, these were the two things that were happening. They had a weapon of war, and then they were doing some construction. Now, we need to know what this story means for us. It's not just about building a wall. That there is going to be resistance to what? You and your sons and your daughters and your wives and your homes. There's going to be resistance to building and living in a godly home. So what are we doing? We are resisting. We have a weapon. We have the word of God, the sword of the spirit. We're resisting, and then what are we doing with the other hand? We are building something up. We're we're building our families. We're building into what God has put in our hand, to what God has called us to. Resisting and building. Resisting and building. And we are not going to fear. This is what the call was. As They were were rebuilding the walls. Don't be afraid. Let's organize. Let's be ready. we got to be ready to fight the battle, but we're building stuff. I'm not getting ast- distracted that my whole life is about fighting the battle, but I'm also building something up. Not just fighting. I've got both things happening. I've got a sword. And I'm actually building something, doing what God has called me to do. Now, what has God called us to build? Obviously, God has called us to build his kingdom, the gospel. Jesus talked about building his kingdom. So this is the thing that we're we're not building our own kingdom. We're building the kingdom of God. Now, the culmination of the building of the kingdom of God won't happen until Jesus returns. But until he comes, this is what we're supposed to be busy about. We see it there described our husbands and daughters. It starts just then at home that I'm building a home. And this is where the enemy comes in so many different times to destroy homes because everything starts from that place. So building the kingdom of God. I, I'm build, Now, what is the kingdom of God like? And when we understand it, we can see the totality of the scripture from beginning to end, the narrative of the scripture that we see in the Old Testament that there was laws in the Old Testament. But embedded in the laws of the Old Testament was teaching how to live our lives. Now, think about what that would mean. That God is giving us guardrails because He doesn't want us to go over a cliff. This is the same thing that we do with our children. We give them guardrails, we tell them things. Don't run out in the street. And that's representative of all the things that good parents tell their kids. What are they telling them? I want to keep you safe, so don't go over this cliff. That's what the laws of God are all about. So embedded in the laws is life teaching how to live a flourishing human life. And this is the kingdom that God wants us to build. And so we see the story of the scripture that humans have this inability to keep the law perfectly. Because we are flawed, we are, the, the Scripture says we all all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so, these religious rules over time, um, the, the Pharisees end up taking all of these rules that we see in the New Covenant, and their relationship with God looked like enforcing all of the rules, all of the religious laws on people, and making them feel guilty and making them feel shame. Why? Because they could never actually keep all the laws. But the scripture actually points to a savior that would come and save us and complete all of these laws. And we see that in the culmination of Jesus, that he came and fulfilled all of the words of the kingdom of God. Fulfilled the law in every way. And then because he did that, he gives us grace. And then he walks alongside us to help us to live out the ways of God kingdom ways. This is what God wants us to build. Now I'm going to take a shot explaining to you what the kingdom of this world looks like. But now, we, we see this in the scriptures. It's the kingdom of our God and the kingdoms of this world. And this is just one take on what's happening in the world, in the West, specifically right now. That we, we see all of these laws, how God had all of these laws that will help us to flourish, and then the The kingdom of this world starts out like this. Don't you know it's 2021? And then proceeds to tell us something about new ways or new morality that we should live. It's 2021. Have you ever seen a movie? um, Maybe from the 70s or the 80s or the 90s where someone says, don't you know it's the 70s? And what do we do when we hear that in a movie? We're like, oh my gosh, the 70s. That's so old. That's so long ago. Saying it's 2021 is exactly like that. It doesn't actually mean anything. What's great for 2021 is technology. We have really great technology because it's 2021. But we have no new insight how to live a flourishing life, a moral life, just because it's 2021. There's no new take on morality in 2021 that's better than God-given eternal Laws to help us live a flourishing life. So it starts out with 2021. It's the new way to think, don't you know? It's really important that we've got a new morality based on how I feel. And the new morality that we live in in the culture that we live in has been crafted on purpose. It didn't just happen. That the enemy has been working hard to craft a whole new morality In the world that we live in. Now, what happens just like the religious thinkers of Jesus' time, there are Pharisees of this new morality. Not based in the Word of God, but based on just contemporary culture. It's 2021, and there's Pharisees coming around and they're enforcing these rules and they're making you feel guilty. And they're making you feel ashamed that you're not a good person because you don't want to adhere to these new moral codes. And they name you and they dismiss you after they give you a name. And all of the, all of the, the things that are following up, all of the media and all of the movies that are being made, that tell us, hey, this is how the good people think. This is how the nice people think. And this is the world that we are living in. And then if we don't do what the Pharisees say, we get canceled. And what's bad about the kingdom of this world, that there is no savior coming. Because everybody is a God to themselves that theoretically everybody can create their own morality, their own way of doing things. And so all of these things are happening in the world today and all that you get offered, there's no second chances. If you get canceled, that's it, you're done. You lose your job. You didn't say the right thing. You didn't think the right thoughts. In this kingdom... God offers us grace. The ways of God, God offers us grace. He offers us forgiveness. And then what do we see in the kingdom of God? Jesus tells us to love our enemies. In this kingdom, in the ways of the world, man, you just get hated on if you don't agree. If you don't agree with me, if you don't say the things that I, I want you to say, if you don't believe the way I believe, we're not even going to talk to you anymore. We're just, just going to write you off. But here in the kingdom of God, we could disagree with somebody and we can love our enemies. Let's judge that for ourselves. What is a better way of living? What has God offered us? God has offered us. It's superior in every way to the culture that is offered to us right now. And this is the kingdom of In which God is wanting us to build the ways of the word of God. This is what he's wanting us to build from and in. See, God has called us to be builders. And we're going to fight battles every day, all the time. And we're going to be ready with our sword. But we're also going to be building something up all of the time. And this also is how we are going to fight the battle in 2021, First Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9 says this. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God given to me. And thank God there is grace in every way in the kingdom of God. Like a skilled master builder. I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care of how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than what is laid in Jesus Christ. This is our foundation. We're not looking for a new foundation. This is our foundation. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold and silver and precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. That the fire, in other words, will burn away useless work. The the kingdom of the world as it's set up right now in the West is actually going to burn away. It is unsustainable. And so what sort of work are we building on? Is this the work that we're called to do to build the ways with the ways of the world? Are we supposed to build with the ways of the kingdom of God? Because this is the thing that will last. This is the thing that will be gold and silver and precious stones. What sort of work will each one do? And we are building up using kingdom principles. We see three things in there in the first verse. We are God's fellow workers. See, the things that we are doing for God, he is doing with us. We're not doing these things to impress God, but we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to do these things, to build up kingdom stuff. We're building up our family. We're investing into our relationships. We're investing into the church. Jesus is building his church. This is what we would see ourselves as kingdom, doing kingdom ways, building up kingdom things. Man, we don't want to take on all of these ways of the world that are just straw, that are going to burn up. All of these things that we can see represented now in the world, and we can see them in history, and they don't work. So let's not build with these tools. Let's build with the tools of the kingdom of God. We are co-laborers with Christ. Next thing that we are we are God's field or we're God's God's garden, one translation says. So what is growing in the garden of our life? Where did the seeds of what's growing in my life, where did it come from? Did it come from all of this? Or did it come from the ways of God? Because there is something growing in our lives. There are thoughts growing in our hearts and in our minds. And if we're not aware, the enemy's just sowing a bunch of seeds from the ways of the current culture. But then God has eternal seeds for us. We're going to read some more about that in a second. And then the last thing you are God's building. And this means God is building you up, God is not tearing you down, God is not your enemy. God is always the one strengthening you and helping you and forgiving you and healing you and pouring out his spirit upon you. Because he wants you to survive. He wants you to persevere. He wants you to make it to the end. He wants you to build with kingdom principles. Man, that's such good news for us that God is not trying to take us out. That God is trying to help us, strengthen us when the battle is coming our way, God is not against us. God is on our side. God is on the side of all of humanity. God wants to take up his ways and live out his ways. We see uh, when the enemy, when the devil came to Jesus and he tempted him, he would tempt him by misquoting scripture, trying to twist words to get Jesus to act upon wrong ways. And when we think about one of the main battles of our lives as we finish with these verses here in Mark chapter four, one of the main battles in our lives is being good soil for kingdom seed. There's so many seeds for a flourishing life in God that God is giving to us through his word. And the seeds from the ways of the world will produce a harvest that we don't actually want. Mark chapter 4, verse 13, Jesus had given a parable to his disciples. He had preached to them about all these different types of soil. And they didn't really understand uh, what he meant. And Jesus explained it to them. Verse 13, he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? In other words, all of the stories that Jesus told us were told for a reason, for a purpose, so that we would take the narrative of the scripture, the narrative of the ways of God, and we would allow it to be embedded into our heart and into our lives so that we could live kingdom-flourishing lives. See, what's happening in the culture right now is the enemy is deceiving us to take all of these ways and that are supposedly better, but at the end, they're destruction. At the end of all of it, this death It's not life. Verse 14, the sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path. What is the path? The path is that place that you walk through when you're walking through the woods and it's hard packed. Where the word is sown when When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. So in other words, there's no receptivity for the ways of God. Satan comes and he takes, steals the seed. Verse 16, and these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who... When they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, and they have no root in themselves, endure for a little while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on the account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns, those who hear the word. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on good soil and this should be our heart's desire that we should be good soil for kingdom seed what is God planting into my life what is he intending to plant into my life because the enemy is also wanting to plant seed into your heart but we need to be good soil for the ways of God are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. In other words, a flourishing life. The seed that God wants to sow in us that builds us up. And it is the work that we are doing building up the kingdom of God in our families, in our hearts, in our lives. Last verse, 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says this, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that the in, in the Lord your labor is not in vain. God is building something in you so that we can build his kingdom and let's resist the enemy give no place to the enemy through the ways of the world and we would be abounding in the work of the lord with our sword in one hand and our tools to build the kingdom of god in the other let's just pray today father god we are so thankful for your word today lord we want to be good ground for what you are speaking to us what you are showing to us because you want to build something in all of us that you want to build something in us as individuals and something in us as families and something in us as a family a local family of God a community of faith and church so that we can be an expression of the kingdom of God God we just thank you for your word today God we purpose to be diving into your word to hear the seed that you want to plant in my heart. God, I won't be overtaken by the enemy. I'll be aware of his tactics and his strategies. But thank you, Lord, that you are embedding your love in our hearts so that even with the people that we disagree with, we can love our enemies because we want to build your kingdom we thank you for that jesus name we pray amen hey if you are watching today and you have never said yes to jesus just as a first step in your relationship with god the good news the gospel is all about jesus coming to the earth fulfilling as i mentioned today all of the laws of God that we couldn't fulfill and do for ourselves. And because he did that, he became our substitute. And then because he went to the cross, died on the cross, and God raised him from the dead. God offers us a relationship with himself, and all we have to do is say yes. It's a gift. It's grace. We don't qualify for it. None of us qualify for it. But all we have to do is say yes to God's righteousness and relationship. So if you are watching today, I'm going to pray a prayer. I invite you to pray along with me just as a starting point of your relationship with God. Let's just bow our heads and close our eyes wherever we are. and Let's pray today. God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he lived a sinless life. And he died on the cross. And you raised him from the dead. So that I could know you. So today I say yes to that relationship. I say yes to your righteousness. God, I call you my Father. Jesus, I call you my Lord. God, I turn from my own ways. I turn to you. I thank you for salvation today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen in. Be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for other messages. For more content from The City Church or to connect with us, visit us at thecitychurch.ca or find us on Facebook or Instagram at CityChurchGTA. Thanks again for joining us.